0: We're always running after a thought. We're always running after some kind of content, external content, and the internal content is like conveniently shut off, but there's a, there's a faucet in there that if we turn it on, we're going to live in different ways, we're going to solve problems better, we're going to renew ourselves, um, so we need to turn the faucet on.
1: Today's Quotidian, Arupa Tesselin. Welcome back to the Quotidian Podcast. I'm Bradley Dennis McDevitt. Arupa Tesselin learned. From an early age, how her creative and intuitive powers deeply affected the way she was able to be in the world. With powerful experiences of integrated somatic and intuitive presence as her guide, she's written books and even created software to help afford others the experience of these innate creative gifts which she believes, as do all of us here at the Quotidian, are our natural birthright. Arupa is one of the leading voices for intuition in business today. She is an insightful, inarticulate, well-published author, a consultant, a speaker, and a facilitator. And she wrote the book Ting, The Surprising Power of Intuition to Transform Work and Innovate. It's a story that explores The relationship between authenticity and intuition. And really, it's her lifelong passion for the creative process that led to a personal quest to find an explanation that better reflects the true nature of our relationship with the creative universe. This episode is sponsored by Chocolate Debonaires, the sophisticated donut experience, and... By Carolina Commons Creative, a catalyst for creative thinking and transformational development. It's also our parent company. Check us out at Carolinacommons.org. And thank you as ever for being here. And now, please enjoy my conversation with the effervescent creative genius that is Arupa Tessalin. To begin with, Arupa, I want to welcome you to the Quotidian. It's great to have you here. Thanks for being here.
0: Great to be here. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm also
1: curious, you know, we've spoken a little bit about your background and origin story and sort of how you became aware of your own intuitive powers. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about Mm -hmm. that. I remember you mentioned a butterfly story, so maybe that would Mm -hmm. be a good place to start.
0: Yep. Well, on the intuitive end, here the the thing is I was born uh awake. There's no other there's no other way to say it. I was born tuned in with direct intuition and uh it kind of took me some time to grasp that other people weren't simultaneously sharing this environment. So, um I kind of learned to hold back a little bit because it made other people uncomfortable. So that's a whole different life story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it made me be invisible for a long time. But the butterfly story is a really cool thing. Um, it happened when, when I was a kid, I was, I was, um, we were Catholic basically. So we'd go to mass on Sunday. And it was, I remember it was Easter Sunday and my cousin, a couple of my really close cousins were all there from out of town with me, I'm really excited. And we were in church, and it's crowded, it's Easter Sunday, um, and I'm listening to the priest and all of the noise and all of that, and I notice all of a sudden, there's this butterfly flying around, and I'm kind of, part of me is really bored with what's going on, and then I notice this butterfly flying around, so it's like out of the corner of my eye, oh, interesting, a butterfly in the church. I wonder if anybody, like, how come people aren't kind of looking looking around at this butterfly? It's like, it was so weird. So it was a blue butterfly. And wow. it started, was flying around, fluttering around, fluttering around. And all of a sudden, it fluttered. And then it landed right in front of me on the top of the pew. <laughs> and I'm looking at it. And it's like this gorgeous, gorgeous, iridescent blue butterfly. Um, and it, it just... I felt, I felt inspired and magical because, because of what I was seeing and experiencing. And it seemed to be like in a, in a different world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just watching the butterfly. My heart is all lit with happiness. And it starts flying around, flying around. And then it flies around. I'm watching it. And then it lands on the pew in front of me on the seat. And in Catholic Mass, we're kind of doing calisthenics. We're up, we're down, we're kneeling, we're up. And at this time we were up and in front of me is this man with brown polyester pants, a big butt. And, and that butterfly is right on the seat behind him. And I am suddenly terrified, just terrified. Oh my God, he's going to sit down. The butterfly's got to move. What's going to go on? So, so of course, he sits down on the butterfly. And by this time, my mouth is open. I'm gazing over the pew and he sits on the butterfly. And it's like, oh my God, poor butterfly. <laughs> so then we get up and I see the butterfly on, on his rear end, all mangled and crazy contorted, like it's, it's gone. Right. But it was so funny. I, I like burst out laughing it was it was it was the funniest thing to me in the world I was giddy with laughter (laughs) and the amazing thing is nobody in the church saw the butterfly like they were like in their boring state of whatever wherever they were and and it was to me like oh my god this is this is like the butterfly this was a joke kind of thing it was like don't be too serious (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and just, just laugh. It wasn't, the thing I realized was nobody saw that butterfly. I was the only one that saw that butterfly and I saw it in 3D as a real object and I'm not given to, like, I'm pretty present. So, so 3D world has is, is been my world um, and it was kind of, this. the idea that came to me is that, hey, wherever you're looking for the lightness or the spirituality, or whatever, it's not here it's this butterfly Mm. and, and the comedy of the whole thing that happened. That was a big part of it to basically like this world is all around and live lightly.
1: Mm. That's beautiful. How old were you? Uh,
0: I think I was about like seven or eight
1: Mm -hmm.
0: at the time, which is, which is usually like, you know, kids before they're the age of four, they have, a lot of, they can have a lot of mystical and, and experiences of seeing the unseen and things like that. But I was yeah. way beyond that age and I was really shocked and surprised that this thing, which clearly after I evaluated, no one else could see, um, I was really surprised that I even saw it and that it was in the visible world.
1: Yeah.
0: So it was really a, an interesting transformational experience for me.
1: There's a couple of things that occurred to me hearing you talk about that. One one is the, like you said, that state of childhood when, you know, the cares of the world haven't uh, invaded <laughs> necessarily. And, you know, I'm talking probably more about <clears throat> privileged Western ch- childhoods. But for the most part, that state of, of mind, that state of grace where... Uh, you're open to everything and everything is taken exactly as it's presented. That there's no, you're not reading into things. You're mm-hmm. not concerned about the future. You're not worried about the past. You're very present. Um, and.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But also I'm curious how that memory, how that experience has informed you. As you've grown and w- how, because I, I mean, in my own experience, things that I've, events that have happened, memories that I hold, kind of continually reveal either new aspects of myself or the world as, as I reflect on them. And how has that experience revealed new things to you or solidified things?
0: Well, it's kind of, it's kind of always been contextually there for me. Um, and it, 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 the reminder to me is like keep one eye open when I closed.
1: Mm.
0: You know, like look at look at the whole world. Tell me
1: what you mean by that.
0: Um, like keep one eye open to the world beyond the scene. What what people see. Mm. What is ordinary? The ordinary world, because there's always there's always a magic. And try to kind of live in this in this domain where there is a magic um i told that story once at a, at a speaking event event um for female business leaders and they and the person that featured me didn't get it and i thought how could you not get it mm. <laughs> it's an extraordinary it's an extraordinary experience um so yeah so this childness state is, is there now I too, like many, many people, have been sort of conjoined to this fixated world where we really place a focus on the materialist not materialistic but materialism. Mm-hmm. That everything that's visible is valid and what is invisible is not valid. Yeah. But the fact that anything novel, anything transformational, anything anything transcended that changes us really comes from the unknown. So if we don't allow space to draw from the unknown and the importance set, the importance of that unknown framework as creators, we're really living within a, a limited kind of being. Yeah. Like we need to, this is the context from which we draw. Yeah. Like the, the whole totality of what we see is not, is done is over is mm-hmm. yesterday's work. Today's work spans from embracing this wider realm.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking also of the in the the Big Five personality indicator, the um, openness, the quality of openness, and especially as regards mm. uh, creative, sort of insightful, intellectual, larger context thinking that. That and also in in your experience, especially with the butterfly story, that this um, there is a a state shift that has to occur in order to accommodate the unexplained, the unexplainable, the kind of that sort of otherness that the image that I get when you have one eye open, one eye closed is that there's one part of you that's looking interior like in inside yourself. And the other is is looking out.
0: Exactly. And, and it's like um, these experiences happen when there's kind of a suspension. There's kind of a suspension of reality. Mm. Like it's still there. You're still very conscious of it. But it's in that it's in that sort of wider frame that the magic happens and it and the heart is open to receive it. Mm. And I think those are the two preconditions that that happen. I mean, we do that. We do that with normal people with with intuitive mindware in like minutes, and they're they're amazed.
1: Well, that was going to be my next question is is what your experience has been doing this kind of work with, with sort of either corporate populations or people who might not consider themselves to be creative or intuitive and in how that process works and, and what what you find as someone who is? Um, pretty wide open and and tuned into multiple levels and layers of reality.
0: Yeah, and a good problem solver in management. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I always nail it. <laughs> well, it's 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 interesting because they are kind of blown away um, by 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 the state mm-hmm. change that can happen so quickly. They're blown away that they get intelligence that's important for them. And uh, to just a little bit about the process intuitive mindware is a set of 12 different processes that came to me while I was literally asleep. That's how I discovered them in a really kind of it's another amazing story how that happened. Uh, where there was an energy field involved in a two hour download two weeks in a row. And it's not like something that I set out to discover. They discovered me, and and, and I turned them into um, learning material and uh, coaching processes. So, um, <clears throat> so each of these is like a mini vignette. It's almost like a mini vision quest. And you and and I help people prepare a question that's important for them currently. I lead them through a kind of a, a two-minute breathing exercise. They ask their question. And then apply one of these processes and immediately they're in a different state and they see or experience things there Um, and uh, when that process finishes it might be a one-step or two-step process it takes under it takes like i don't know three to seven minutes to do one of these things and then when they come back something has changed and they get often clear, clear insight, often life-changing insight. In fact, like eight of the first nine consecutive coaching uh, clients that I had go through the process once had a life-changing insight and and they acted on it and it's still part of the way they frame the world today. it's the experience of this flow state that they're in and they will remember because it's so vivid. They'll remember that for a decade, a decade or more after they had that, even if they don't remember what they had for breakfast that morning. So that to me tells me that, Hey, the way we use our mind, the way we've been conditioned or or, or our habits, cultural habits, and Mm because the way we use our mind is largely a cultural habit. Um, there's a lot more open space there that we could be accessing on any given day yeah. at will. And if we do, we will make more enlightened decisions for ourselves. We'll live life in a, in a more aspirant kind of mm-hmm. a way, aspiring kind of a way to ourselves. Because what happens, and I can't, I've tried for years to scientifically explain it because I do have a scientific background, I've written a couple academic papers um, as a non-academic. But um, the only way I can say is that this there's there's sort of a, a prompt or a priming. Mm-hmm. The question acts, acts as a prime for the psychology. And somehow all of these internal references um, come up that relate to that question. And there is a, a very... There's a shifting framework that happens after, before and after the process, that, that sometimes they don't get the insight right away. They might get it a couple hours later or during the night, wake up with it in the morning. But something has shifted, like the ground underneath them, their core beliefs or core experiences mm-hmm. or something of who they are has shifted somehow. And they're in an, a more integrated state Um, They feel in the flow. Um, So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's hard sometimes for me to explain because I I can explain what everybody else does. (laughs) I can't always explain my own work, but it, it is an experience of creative flow that they get that it brings insight, delivers insight to them.
1: So it sounds like there's a lot of trust that you you go into this process with a lot of trust. In in your process, trust in the experience, trust in the tools that you've experienced yourself and that you've developed. Yeah. And, you know, my the question that comes up for me is 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 what's at play here for people and what are what's actually, you know, going on cognitively or because I'm a student of flow states. I'm a student of creativity. I've been an artist my entire life. My entire work is all about presence and showing up and helping afford people that sense of, of inner awareness, kind of um, – I call it omnidirectional awareness, right? Where you're tensely aware of what's happening internally as well as what's happening externally and, and flow as we understand it and as has been written extensively about creative work, creative play – is one of the easiest, quickest ways to access that. And so I'm curious about Intuita, Mm -hmm. in particular, how, you know, you talked about a pretty intense experience, the energy field descending, kind of putting you under for a couple hours and literally downloading this enormously rich uh, information into you that you were gifted and then kind of moved out into the world with. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, the, I guess there's two parts. The question one is I'd love to hear more about that experience because I know for you, you said it, ex- you felt it a little bit as like illness, like you shut down.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: In some so wh- I was and, a single parent. But that, those, those are my okay. words.
0: Uh, and you can interject the, the second question as I, as mm. I um, go into this. But yeah. um, at this time in my life, I was, I had a high powered career. I was um, a kind of a senior manager in a, in a, in a high-intensity organization, and I was commuting to Toronto every day. And I had a two-year-old that I was raising um, 100% as a solo parent, just because that's the situation that ended up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and a really gifted little kid. <laughs> and fortunately, she would nap on Saturdays, mm-hmm. which was really important. Um, But on this particular day, and I'm always physically pretty well, I have a really, really good, um, really good system, health system. But I was feeling like I was coming down with the flu, but the the bad flu, like the bone aches and fever and nausea and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I was feeling really badly. And um, so I decided I'll forget the chores while she slept. I was going to go take a nap, which is something I never, ever, ever did. So I did. I I laid down on the bed. Within minutes, um, an energy field, like a cloud, floated. I could feel it coming over my body, floating over my body, and it hovered about, about just maybe four or five inches above my body. And it was, I don't know, maybe yay thick. It felt. And it was radiating heat and light and energy. And at that time, I just sort of surrendered. I just, you know, I I just lost my muscular tone. And I stayed, um, Mm -hmm. basically, I I slept, woke slept. And because I'm a longtime meditator, decades, I was able to hold a split consciousness state. I used to do that in chemistry long ago because chemistry was really boring. So I kind of... Hide my head and I I practice being in two worlds at the same time. (laughs) It was fun. Um, anyway, so so this this happens, I get this download of information starts coming and light and energy, and I grabbed a notebook and I started writing it down. So I simultaneously slept, woke. Uh, and then two hours later, the energy field went away. My daughter woke up. Um, but I felt like I was completely healthy. I felt like I came back from a two week vacation in, in a really nice warm place and had sun and, wow. and everything. Yeah. Which was like, that was mind blowing the state of excellence that I was in because I was almost as a single parent back then, I was <laughs> almost exhausted with the schedule that I had to keep up with and that blew me away. So we had a great weekend and the next week followed and the following Saturday at exactly the same time, my daughter went to sleep two o'clock in the afternoon. She'd sleep from two to four. And uh, I decided that's when I do my power chores. So I grab a laundry basket, I'm heading to the basement. And all of a sudden I pass my room and I start to get faint. I mean, really faint, I, I I was gonna fall. So I gripped the wall, I gripped the closet wall, made it to the bed, flopped down on the bed. Energy field came on over me again, two hour spontaneous download. Same as last week. And at the end of it, this internal messaging, you've got everything you need now go teach. And I thought, Whoa, like I didn't even know at the time what I had. And that was, that was how intuitive mind where wow. was discovered. So it was, it was really mind blowing. Like I, I looked at the processes the week before and I thought, Oh, that's interesting. But I put it down I, like busyness, I was always doing something, so I just didn't have a lot of space. Um, yeah. and and then I tested it. I, I I said, well, if these processes work the way I think they will work, they'd be really beneficial to help a lot of people. So, but do they work? Can I use them? Can other people use them? And Arupa, can you describe what
1: like the processes? I know it has to do with intuition. I know it has to do with flow. I know it has to do with kind of getting people out of sort of the the everyday, but I'll give you an example,
0: explain
1: a little bit. And understanding
0: that people have to prepare a question. It's not like it's not like any question is going to be working with the design. They have to work on that. Um, For example, this one, there's one called animal guide and they're all different. Some have strengths in certain ways and and others for different things, um, and you ask an animal to show up and you observe, and, and you, you, you know mm-hmm. things occur to you according to how old is the animal, where are you seeing it from, um, what color is it, uh, can you smell the animal, all of, all of these things, it, there's an, an inherent wisdom that shows up that is explicitly realized in the process of observation or if not a visual representation, it could be a feeling or a direct, a direct intuition. And then the second part of that process is, okay, now watch as the animal moves and it will do whatever it does. Mm. And, um, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people like, uh, go back in two feet in their chair because of the viscerality of what they experienced. So. So And then they come back mm-hmm. and they reframe, re-ask the question and what's different now and what did you experience and all of that is the end of the process. And it's kind of like when it strikes, it's immediate. It's, it's like they just know. And mm-hmm. so I tested it on myself because wow. I'm intuitive, but I mean, I'm, I'm a mainstream person. My clients are, are typically mainstream too. And uh, so was I able to go in into an insight state immediately through the processes? Yep. Then I asked, well, what if I'm really emotionally distraught, which doesn't happen very often, but I was going through a custody issue and it was a really tough one. Um, And uh, so I tried the processes in a state of total emotional distress And I saw, it was a questionable custody in a court case, and I saw these steel doors, like two-foot-thick steel doors, slam shut, boom, with a big thud right in front of me. And it was so thunderous that it was like explosively shut. And in that moment, what I realized is that I had to call um, my ex-husband. I asked him a question, and it stopped the case just like this. This is for an older child. Um, And it settled everything. So from that, and it blew me wow. away because I had been afraid to do to move forward with this. It, it just didn't make any sense. But I got the answer I, I, I needed, and right away I took the action, and the result was, uh, was immediate. So um, then I tested it on people in corporate workshops and public workshops in, um, in one-on-one coaching. And each time they they were well received, people were able to use them. They were able to get use them successfully. They saw value in them. And uh, I did. I remember one corporate workshop. Uh, usually, like by four thirty or or even four o'clock, people are ready to leave the room. Like we're done. Bye. <laughs> Gotta go. Yeah. It's quarter to five, and it's like these people were not leaving, and they had really high-level jobs uh, in, in, uh, in legislature and law. And um, it's like, it feels so good in here. We don't want to go. Can we stay? Like, we're in a boardroom. Mm-hmm. Can we stay? You can you imagine a boardroom where you feel like peace and you want to stay and hang around because it just feels so
1: Well, I remember you telling the story that people, even when you would be out of the office, people would go into your office to hang out because it felt so good in there.
0: I have this energy field. (laughs) I have an energy field that makes people feel good.
1: So it it doesn't surprise me at all that that's sort of attractive, right? There's this space, this energy field that's going on. And I can tell, Arupa, while you're telling the story and talking kind of about the process, my, my left hemisphere wants to kind of pick it apart and look at it and sort of figure out what's going on and compare it to other things. And, and, and my, the right brain is saying, you've experienced this. Mm-hmm. You know what that is. You know what active imagination is. You know what visualization is. You know what that sort of trusting in the intuitive process of the images that come. You don't know where they come from. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know where they come yeah. from. You just have to trust, like, what, why, is my, why is my dog from when I was three, who I don't even remember in mm-hmm. this vision, this gigantic St. Bernard? Mm-hmm. You don't question mm-hmm. it. It's, you, you ask, you say, thank mm-hmm. you, yeah. <laughs> glad to see you, and what do you have to show me? What would you? Uh, why are you here? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that process is a, is foreign to a lot mm-hmm. of people, right? That trusting and just allowing what shows up. I and mean, we call it a Freudian yeah. slip yeah, sometimes. Yeah, actually,
0: it's the allowing. I mean, I will get from time to time people that say, okay, I want to see a, a this or I want to see a that. No, 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 no. You do not intend to see <laughs> That's anything. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. You don't intend to see anything. You allow it to show up. Trust, it's going to show up. Just sit there and wait till it does. Yeah. And, and, and then when it does, you go into a a deeper state of observation and, and what you will see or, or Mm -hmm. feel at first sight, because, because without sort of meditative training, people can, can kind of, um, free associate, oh, this means that the one time I remember with this process, and there are 12, so they're all, they're all good. Um, I saw a pig and I thought, oh, I don't like that image. (laughs) Here's the, the, you know, the intellectual side of me. And as I held the space and went into it, it was about domesticity. That had nothing to do with my like or dislike of the animal. It was the message that the animal was bringing, uh, that was important to, to, uh, the insight that was happening. But it's yeah, it's a, it's a ridiculously insanely interesting process. And like it blows me away to see what people get and what they experience. And I will get the people that say, oh, I didn't I didn't see anything. I say, OK, I set them down. Tell me what happened. Mm. Well, first there was this and then there was this and then there was this and there was, then there was this. And then I thought this and it, they end up self-facilitating all the things that they experienced and getting uh, <laughs> getting insight from it. <laughs> it's kind of comical, but. Oh, it works. Mm-hmm. It works amazingly well with people that don't have any meditative training, which is which is kind of the surprise that you don't have to go and meditate in a cave for twenty years to be able to use your mind and creative faculties to generate insight from this larger um, this larger world that you are a part of.
1: Has the corporate environment responded to your work, both initially and then after seeing the results? Because my, I imagine that there's some initial resistance.
0: Well, not really, because the people that 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 I had been would deliver these um, seminars or learning experiences for they were interested in, in this as a topic. So, um, and mm-hmm. even if they would rally people, and we did one that was uh, labeled intuitive creativity for project managers. And it was really cool because we taught them the processes and we did some other exercises that helped them that helped them open their intuition. Like uh, we had pictures of past projects in, in closed envelopes. They didn't see the picture. So they were able to kind of um okay give details like accurate details about the project by just holding that envelope in their hands and we had the really yeah yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> it's very very cool and um that's like this was extend an extension of the workshop beyond intuitive mindware but the interesting thing is here we're a group of project managers who um were there for basically professional development, and they, their eyes were really open to the role that intuition plays in, in what they do as project managers, because there are many interventions that go on behind the scenes that if they were not done, if they were not perceived, um, would extend their project, would cause complications, would cause problems. So by being um, proactive that way, uh, and more aware as a project manager, they are able to circumvent a lot of things. And not to mention, I mean, you can't, you can't be intuitive without mm-hmm. it improving your life. So the personal aspect always has to be there. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they, most yeah, people absolutely. are open and I think the people who were not open would not necessarily request it. But there's a huge transformation happening in mm-hmm. in organizational culture where where. We're starting to drop the mask you know. as a professional, as a knowledge professional. A lot of people wear the mask of corporate culture, but they now realize, especially after the pandemic and we're still kind of in it, but that they have to in- invest in allowing individuals to show up as individuals and not as corporate cogs towing the, 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 you know, yeah. the, the official party line of the organization. But that that is rapidly changing. And
1: mm-hmm. when you
0: think of, of things like innovation and problem solving and all the things that we do in organizations as a service to others, these are important things too. The more somebody is an individual, the longer they're going to stay because the environment is comfortable for them. The better the mm-hmm. results are going to be Absolutely. overall in corporate performance because people are happy. They stay. It costs a lot, lot more to retrain somebody who leaves um, and attract new talent. And that's a problem with the unemployment levels we have right yeah. now because, because companies are not typically attracting the kind of people that they wanted, that they had before. And a lot of younger people are opting to have alternative lifestyles. They don't want to have a... They don't. They want to live. They want to live in a more integrated way, so their choices around that are changing. And creative people, I think, have always mm-hmm. have always sort of navigated alternative choices. I mean, I I worked from home when my daughter from the time my daughter was three, I started in then, um, and my desire was I didn't. The alternative was to live a life where I didn't see her because I'd be working 12 hours a day as a corporate director and would have a nanny because that's what everybody at that level did. So they could sustain working 12 hours a day. I couldn't. Yeah. Especially with my sensitivities. I would just get, I mean, I, I would work eight hours really hard and and do, do more heavy lifting than a lot of people. But at the end of the, that time, I was done. So I was the other kind of workaholic. It was the intensity kind. <laughs> But I didn't, I didn't want to live that life. My mm-hmm. heart didn't want to live that life. And I think it's really important for all of us yeah. to, to be a friend to what this is telling us, because this is going to lead us in the directions that are healthy for us.
1: Speaking of, of leadership, I'm, I I'm really I like and I believe a lot of what you're saying is, is, is where we're going culturally, institutionally that it's a whole systems theory movement. And in many cases, it's the entity of the corporation or the organization or the leadership seeing individuals in terms of the person as a whole system, including the intuitive, including the the play, including the, the health, including not just seeing people in terms of their utility, but also realizing that there's this... Intrinsic entanglement that when someone comes to work for you, you are working for them, and that if you don't see that other half of the equation, then you're then yes. you're basically using them as batteries, right? And as opposed to giving back and not just monetarily. Yeah,
0: employees are your first your yeah. first customer. Cultural
1: and and um, yeah. and energetic.
0: And and, and there is an effective end mm-hmm. on this too. Um, just just occurred to me. Sorry Go for the interruption, but the energy of a hundred people, the energy of a hundred people who care oh, yes. about something, is so much greater than a thousand or thousands of people mm-hmm. who don't. In terms of what an, an a, a business is, or a sustained interest, or an organization. So if you have people that are only half there, a quarter there, a quarter present, and Carrying doing the work of the organization, but not not carrying that emotionally. There is going to be a huge order of magnitude of success difference than if you have a hundred people who care and are really yeah. doing this with some kind of passion and oh, integration. The parallel that
1: I think of is 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 a, a parental relationship. When you're a child and you're in mm-hmm. a loving, caring home you're able to to fully experience yourself safely uh you're able to explore try things make mistakes and not be uh, ridiculed beaten up and like it's the exact yeah. same thing there's a parentage here there's yes. a um i'm trying to think of a, a maybe a better there's word a, but there,
0: there's it's, a space it's a
1: yes Yes, yes, that's a, a good it's word. A pres- for it. It's a
0: presence to allowing potential to expand. Potential needs. And it
1: requires leadership, right? It requires uh, yes. demonstration. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I mean, ideally, um, <clears throat> the leadership, the vision engages people. Mm-hmm. And it's in that engagement that all these other things flow. So. That vision has to be communicated, has to be articulated, it has to be shared, and then people will opt in, and invest in, because mm-hmm. there's no one way to, to, to get an outcome with that vision. You have person yeah. A who's passionate about this and wants to do this kind of work. Okay, this is their direction in the organization. Person B is more interested in this kind of thing and aspires to be this kind of, uh, this kind of a person. Okay, there they go. So... That gives you a potential for people to vest in. And I mean, I think, I yeah. think the smart leaders yeah. who are emotionally intelligent and, intelligent and know that, know that the game has completely changed and the nature of people have completely mm-hmm. changed. So the future, <laughs> consequently, is completely changed.
1: Yeah, amen. So for people who are curious interested and starting to feel the the bubbles the sparks of the attraction to the intuitive Mm -hmm. what what do you recommend what either practices state of mind like how do people start to move into this work Mm. and this experience
0: well i'll say firstly that um I believe intuition is functional intelligence of the whole self so that so that when people are living from Mm -hmm. their whole self, they have intact intuition or they should have. It's a natural state. Most of us are not functioning as a whole self. So um, some kind of meditation pathway is really good. At Intuita, we do have an easy meditation pathway. program. And that usually involves watching. There's something as simple as watching the breath. Um, Watching the breath and cleansing yourself with the breath. Basically, just watching the breath come in and go out. And what does that
1: do? I mean, everyone knows that meditation and mindfulness is really important. But in your experience, what does that practice afford?
0: Um, Presence basically creates creates a little bit of space for intuition to come through. Because if you have a head full of spaghetti, yeah. of thoughts, it's like, you're <laughs> stuck there. It's a mess. If you create that space yeah. with meditation and presence and presence is only, to me, the first stage of mindfulness, it's just like, what am I feeling right now? Um, where am I? And in that presence, there's always a sense of self peace. So peace of mind. So there's an anxiety deconstruct happening. There's an, an openness happening. There's a sense of possibility happening when you're in that state. So that's presence. That's the first state. And there are many states beyond that, that as you go kind of go up the cycle And with meditation, you don't have to meditate for a long time. You just have to do it. And there's an intelligence inherent in it that will kind of tell you, direct you what to do next, because first you'll be doing it as, um, <clears throat> you'll be doing it as, oh, I must do this. And then once you relax into it, it's kind of, oh yeah, I like doing this, this feels good. And then in that feeling good, okay, oh wow, I just got this insight. Um, so, so that, that is a, an easy pathway, it's just like exercise. You have to maintain the physical body, in a certain way by keeping it non-sedentary. You also have to maintain that wholeness self by doing some kind of thing that keeps you mm. in awareness. And I have a lovely meditation for people yeah. in the state of life, which is, you know, action. <laughs> action, everything is happening. And that, yeah. that you can do this really simple thing with a breathing exercise that Um, When I inhale, I breathe the universe and in the exhale, the universe is breathing me. And if you just do that for a few rounds, in a minute, you'll have a change of state that brings you to a sense of peace and presence. It's the simplest thing. And, of course, there's always something like MindWare where you can choose, you can elect, okay, I'm going to flip that switch, get an insight, go in an intuitive state. This is the thing that that is confounding to people, that it's so accessible. But but the mechanism of access is largely unknown or underexplored or under unexpected
1: well it's certainly not uh preferenced in our culture yeah. right yeah. slow down be still mm-hmm. quiet attend to to what <laughs> right like that, that's it's such an unseen process yeah. and so many people the only times when they're doing that is either when they're asleep or you know if they're practicing uh organized religion going and sitting and listening to some someone else but no. we are not as a western society or culture really encouraged well, to sit still and apparently yeah, do nothing
0: yeah a lot of organized organized religion is, is actually a right. lot of conditioning it, it doesn't also allow people to go into these states yeah so so there and, and I don't want to enter into that debate, yeah. but there are many, you know, you look on the surface of these things, what's really happening here. Um, uh, one of the, the first things in Ting, which is, a cor- which is a book, and it's also a course in intuition is to do nothing for five minutes every day. And it's the simplest thing. Put a, put a timer oh, on your I phone. I that. <laughs> Use an egg timer, you yeah. know, and do nothing for five minutes. And it's amazing that that it is I do
1: that with my kids. I'll say be when they say, what, you know, what do I do? Or I'm I'm bored. I'm like, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you come up
0: with. <laughs> yes, right?
1: I'm not going to solve this problem for you. Like that yes, is a gift.
0: Yes, yes. Well, we're conditioned to <laughs> yeah. be hooked on consumption. Um, and, and by consumption, I mean mm-hmm. um, that, that, we're always running after a thought we're always running after some kind of content, external content. And Mm -hmm. the internal content is like conveniently shut off, but there's a, there's a faucet in there that if we turn it on, we're going to live in different ways. We're going to solve problems better. We're going to renew ourselves. Um, so we need to turn the faucet on and, um, One thing we seem to have not learned is, is the role of the brain and the mind is something that we summon. That is not, we don't serve it. We summon it. It serves us. Mm. It tells us what's going on through our senses, what's going on in the environment, whether we're safe, the temperature is the right way, or we're going to touch fire or, or we have pain or whatever, but We've accustomed ourselves to live in such a way that we are enslaved to that mind rather than Mm -hmm. us being in a space that is more creative and saying, oh, I need this thing solved. Mind, here, attend to it. But that is is a different configuration in life as to how we can be.
1: Yeah. You know, I I talk a lot about uh, the work of Dr. Ian McGilchrist, on this podcast he's mm-hmm. uh if uh, have you heard of him or his work at all he i read a couple read books about uh, him most,
0: on, your, on your site he's a psychologist yeah, so psych- he,
1: he, psychologist and does a lot of uh research and inquiry around the uh, bicameral mind the dual hemisphere okay um hemispheric nature of the brain and how culture has uh the left hemisphere the Yes. Rather than in the intuitive, more abstract, large picture. And yeah. and he talks a lot about attention and the nature of attending. That's what the two hemispheres do is they, they mm-hmm. change how we attend to the world. And so the left hemisphere attends in a very literally grasping, picking, pulling apart, micromanaging, wants to understand how things work and is very useful for things like. You know, uh, getting the meat out of a nut or a seed, <clears throat> or yeah. figuring out how to, a clock works, or um, solving the problem of atomic energy, for instance, and seeing things in terms of its utility, in terms of its parts, mm-hmm. and what what's in it for me, that kind of thing. And the right mm-hmm. hemisphere is attending very much in the way that you're talking about is 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 receptive and sees big picture and in his uh theory and i think rightly so that it is the right hemisphere it's that intuitive process that actually perceives the truth
0: mm, that yeah. It, yeah, that's yeah, 90, the part
1: that actually right. understands what's going on and that that's i hear a real validation yeah. in that in in what you're saying
0: the knitter the comprehender well, I mean, yeah. it's interesting because I'm very strongly intellectual. I was a, I was a bioscience science um, professor college uh, when I was 21 full time. And um, mm. I, my, in, and I was a scientist at different times in my life too. Actually, it was my occupation, my career um, marker, but most of my career has been in management and leadership um, in specialized fields, but these two sides used to fight each other, the intellect and the intuition, because I'm very naturally a scientist, even with the intuitive stuff, I'm questioning what's really happening, mm-hmm. what's going on in the body. And, and I realize intuition is way ahead of science. It's intuition that actually directs science, <laughs> because we don't know the answers. Absolutely. It's intuition that generates hypotheses. So when I got yeah. these two sides to finally kind of harmonize and stop fighting and not exist in a state of non duality. My internal state is a state of non duality now. And it is so mm. peaceful. <laughs> it's a really good place to be yeah. to reconcile that. And I know that I can call in the inter- intellect if I have something and I can go into the intellect and say, This is something I need to solve in the intellect, or give my mind instructions, figure this out for me. And yeah. I can be in the presence of all these other things. But yeah, we have such, and I mean, we're really a marvel, like our whole capacity, this whole field of our whole capacity, our creative capacity, is really under understood. And I had been for mm-hmm. several years for several years studying consciousness science, and it's a, a field where there's quantum physicists, um, neuro, neurologists, neurobiologists, anesthetists, um, all kinds of all kinds of people, even philosophers, studying the whole nature of consciousness, science, and trying to yeah. understand how our body, how our, how our body actually puts things together. And one of the interesting studies that came out of that was one of the professors, Dr. Bruce. I forget his last name at the moment, but um, he is uh, a vision specialist The motor. He studies, he's a professor at Santa Cruz, studies motor, motor skills and perception and, and, and how they're generated in the brain and, and all of that. And he did a really important study many years ago for, for NASA that determined that the eye, the visual assert, uh, sight, is not contiguous, it's not a continuous reality. It is a series of rapid um, rapid photographs, basically, called, that, that occur mm-hmm. in what they call saccades. So what, what is that framework within us that shapes us, that knits all our perceptions together, that we have a field of continuous reality out of these short bits of neural and visu- visual experience that is the stuff that's really interesting. And that is the stuff that yeah. is really has a, wide, um, has a wide variance because one of these things are not like the other. We wire and frame our, those frameworks individually, and they're heavily impacted by belief systems and all of the nuanced parts of who we are, um, where we come from. Uh, our culture, our heritage, um, our DNA, our cellular physiology, um, perhaps even our karma—if we want to take a, a beyond the personal look at it—so mm-hmm. we are we are framing a reality that is highly highly individual and and is not the same as everyone else's. And we all have those yeah. mechanisms, yeah. but the way they occur are individually unique.
1: Boy, we have we have a lot in common. We could go in so many <laughs> directions <laughs> <that> right <laughs> now. Um, and I'm mindful of the time. And I want to, I hate to, to wrap up because it's already been an hour, but I want to give you the chance to talk about what's exciting you right now. Um, also, how people can can find you. Um, if you want to plug anything, this would be a great time to do it.
0: Okay, well, a- after a long time, we finally did developed an uh, app uh, for intuitive mind wear, which was, uh, which is a really big deal, because a lot of my work, well, all of my work is about quality. I, that's important to me that I have something to offer to people that is really valuable. And uh, so we developed this app that is a takeaway after people learn Intuita Mindware online, and then they have it on their smartphone so they can use it anytime. And it's just this just wrapped up a couple weeks ago, so it's brand brand new. Um, you can find me at Intuita.com, I-N-T-U-I-T-A.com. You can find you can sign up for Intuita Mindware there. It's 24/7 online. And my book Ting is available on Amazon, um, so you can find me there as well. Just search Arupa and Ting, you'll find it. And it's, a, it's an interesting book if you want a place to start. Um, it's a story, and it came intuitively. So <laughs> it came to me yeah. while, while I was trying to write a really intelligent book about intuition, and it wasn't working. So this character came, and I just started writing it, and boom, book happened. But it's also a course on intuition inherent in the book. So it's kind of a cool little kind of a cool little thing. Well that's that's Perfect. that's it.
1: That sounds like a great place for folks to to get to know you a little bit better. And Arupa, what's making you excited? What's what's turning the well, volume I, up for you?
0: I'm, I'm working one of my life my magnum opuses is to have um a vivid explanation for the process of, the science of creating, the yoga of creating. And so I'm working on the rewrite of, of my uh, a book that I had already written, but to me, it's not, it doesn't embrace enough of that. So I'm working on another, another book about the, the power of creating and the nature of creating. So yeah, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, Beautiful. I'm always looking. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm always inspired i always inspired by something.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a nice way I find, and I can tell in your life, a nice way to, to exist. It's a good to, to yes. live in the flow or as adjacent to flow as we can manage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because when you do, I mean, everything happens, you wake up from a dream and it's like, you know what you have to accomplish for the day, that there's something there for you to, for you to do or learn or explore. It is a beautiful state yeah. and it's a continuous flow. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And it makes life interesting, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really <laughs> thankful that you, um, your questions were so intriguing and interesting to me. I, cause I love talking about these things.
1: Well, good. Me too. Thank you for I'm the all in. Absolutely. Rupa, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, um, Really thankful to to be able to get to know you and I'm sure you'll be back to talk about more. So <laughs> thanks again.
0: Same here. Same here, Bradley. Thank you. Have a great day.
1: You too. with a side order of sass. And now, every sip of milk or coffee and the debonair dunks itself. A refined dessert for refined people. Great for parties or just a hands-free, on-the-go treat. Get a handlebar on the day with chocolate debonairs. Trickster
0: Society.
1: Chocolate Debonair.